0: It is time for Around the 412 with Smitty and Tyler. Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I am Tyler. With me as always is my co host Smitty. Be sure to follow us on all of our social medias at Around the 412 and go check out some of the links that we have in the description of each and every show. We have our year six of Rocket Around the 412 in the description. Um, Over the past five years, we've raised over $25,000 with the help of all of you to help support children in our local 724 and 412 area codes around Christmas time, be able to provide some Christmas gifts for all of them, because Smitty and I never had to worry about where Christmas was coming from. So we try have tried to give back to some of the kids in our local area, as well as last year we partnered with the East Rochester, Pennsylvania um, Salvation Army and adopted kids off of their angel tree. So if you want to go check out the link of that, that'll be the in the description of all of the YouTube videos and as well as the listening platforms, you can find it in the description there, as well as we have the Everything Custom Designs um, link as well still no hats smitty pointing to the hat right now still no hats but you can get out you can get some uh sick t-shirts hoodies so you can also get a cooking apron i hear so go check that link out as well uh Haley wagner our friend can can hook you up with some pretty sick stuff
1: yeah we're about a month out from trick-or-treat and i know she's doing like custom trick-or-treat bags for kids and stuff too so i think that'd be like a cool way of uh for at least the time being pushing that stuff because that's obviously going to be like a big thing seasonal stuff. Uh we'll see if she comes up with something for like Thanksgiving and Christmas. I don't know. Christmas could be stockings. I don't know about that'd be cool thanksgiving but we'll see what she does uh but yeah either way we need to get on the whole hats thing i know it's a separate machine don't care that sounds like an excuse into you problem Haley. uh (laughs) what was what's not a her problem and is what is very much a pittsburgh Steelers part problem is the performance that they put out on the field uh, on their home opener season opener on sunday i so like the first word for me that comes to mind i know they were bad we're going to get into that like in every facet but even more than that flat like how is this the first time you've got to open the season at home since 2014, almost a full decade since you opened the season at home. And that's the performance you have. Like, where's the juice? Where's the enthusiasm? I just didn't feel it at all from like the, the, the moment that I walked into that stadium. And by the way, Shout out to 49ers fans because they showed out in this one. I mean, they had a let's go Niners chant going on in the fourth quarter of this game. But even from the start to finish, I feel like it was dominated not just by the football team, but also the crowd. I got to give them a uh, cap tip for that. We will get into the game, I'm sure, a ton. But, yeah, first and foremost, more so than bad, the first thing I thought of was just flat. Like, there was just a level of excitement that I expected after the preseason And just transitioning the way they like building off of that first year of Kenny Pickett seven and two in the last nine games like I said of pretty much flawless preseason there was just a level of expectation there that I had for this one that they didn't meet so we can talk about the football game but even more so than that just
0: I mean that was a Kendall Jenner level of flat you know what I'm saying I I think that (laughs) Sorry. What the? (laughs) Sorry. I had to. I was, I I just had to relate it to something, you know? Uh... But I think that this, this performance, I agree with you. I, I felt like outside of specific players and mainly, mainly like when I think of like players that weren't like, yeah, like, 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 yeah, like TJ, for Mm -hmm. example, comes out. He, he's definitely not flat, but especially like offensively, it just felt like very lackluster, kind of just more we're just going through the motions, then we're actually going to, to drive down the field. And not only was that seen, I feel like the, the flatness was felt through the execution of um, some of the plays, but also I felt like the play calling versus like what we saw in the preseason to, to what we saw on Sunday was different as well. And it just, it just didn't seem as aggressive as they seem in the preseason. Now I understand that that preseason regular season, totally different. Dynamic, and I don't think that there was like this vast difference in, in between the two. But I just felt like overall, especially on the offensive side of the ball, you just had no energy, like you had nothing going. And part of that is execution. Like when you do get those big plays, that helps bring some energy to your offense. But th- it just fe- felt like from drive one, they just had nothing going for them in the mo- like the motivation and in the momentum department. Um, it, it was it was very weird feeling and I, I don't know like you were in the stadium so you could speak mm-hmm. to it better than I could like what was the energy like just from the fan base taking this taking the um the whole team out of it what was it like just in the stadium from a fan base I mean this is like you said this is the first time since 2014 the Steelers have opened up at home you would think that that would be a big deal but was it a flat in in the stadium outside of the team
1: Uh, I thought it was, it just felt like a typical home game. And that's why I think I say I was expecting more. It's not like I like, I don't think it was a, a letdown, at least from the Steelers fans that were in the stadium. I think the letdown part of it for me was that there was that many 49ers fans there to begin with. And that it just felt like any regular season game to me. Like it didn't feel like a home opener. It didn't feel like the first time they've gotten to open up at home in almost a decade. It just felt like another game at home. Um, and that's where, that's why I say there was like a level of disappointment for me in terms of the atmosphere. Then, you know, we can start to get into this a little bit. Like I was thrown off basically immediately. They win the coin toss and want the ball. I'm like, this is totally different from like the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, okay.
0: Absolutely.
1: i be feeling really good about where the offense is. If they want the ball, like this is a, they're trying to make a statement right now. First play, a little six yard. I don't know if it was a curl or a dig. I'd have to go back and look, but it was something to Pickens, you know, gain six yards on first down. And I actually, even though they didn't get a first down around the first play, the reason I was encouraged by that is because I was like, oh, man, George Pickens is running something other than a go route. So I, was, <laughs> and that's typically like a Deontay Johnson route, right yeah. there, that we're seeing them get the ball to George Pickens on the first play. So I was encouraged just right off the bat from that. And then we see, and I'm not even somebody that hates like the jet sweep stuff. We've talked about it. Like it's a play they averaged over six yards per play on last year. There's no necessarily reason to hate it. Now you can say the weight that, like the timing of them, maybe. Um, and this definitely felt like a time where it's like why. Like, like, what are we trying to do right now? Get the ball into Calvin Austin's hands on the second play of the game on this little pop pass, jet sweep type play. Um, and then it just kills the drive, third down. And, and I don't know that it would have mattered because we're talking about you see how things played out from that point on. Then you get a bad punt from Presley Harvin, which was another theme of this game. He was really bad. Tomlin called him out by name. He was the only one I think by name really that he that Tomlin uh called out, but um. I think the 49ers started in plus territory way too many times in this game. And I think that was a product of the offense, obviously not moving the ball tons of three and outs, but also Presley Harvin, not being able to flip the field and the defense wasn't very good either. Like this was a first class show in how to not play complimentary football. Like it was the complete opposite of everything that you want to do. They, they were like the opposite of a complete football team, everything that could have went wrong in this game basically did. And I guess the only question that we have coming out of it, other than the injuries, and we'll get into that is Kenny was obviously to me, the worst player on the field. I I think he was a bigger issue than Matt Canada was. People are talking about like the offensive coordinator and stuff. I think that's low hanging fruit for this at this point for Steelers fans. Um, Kenny was the worst player on the field on Sunday. If you're disputing that, I think that you are really looking for, you're just like, it, it's hopium. And I think that you're just trying, you're in denial on the way that it actually was on Sunday. Um, But I guess the question becomes, is that a product of the 49ers defense or what? Because I'm just so confused about it because it's not even, there were obviously times where Kenny looked bad last year as a rookie. And you would expect that. This was a completely different level of bad, and it it was totally different reasons. Like he was inaccurate. Like the accuracy is the big thing for him. If he's not going to be accurate, then yeah, those the the lack of physical tools that he has, he can't make up for it if he's going to be inaccurate. Um, so that was really concerning to me. I just didn't think he was going through progressions well. There were times where you know the Deontay Johnson. The first interception he threw, where Deontay falls down, obviously it's unfortunate Deontay falls down. If that doesn't happen, it's probably not a pick, but it's still a really bad th- decision by Kenny. That's his first mm-hmm. prog- read of the progression. Works through them all, and then comes back to the first guy that typically isn't going to go well, and then throws it. Deontay falls down, and it's a pick. I think that everything that he did in this game was just bad. Like, don't get me wrong. Obviously, when you throw forty sometimes, there's going to be throws that he made that were good and some things he did well. Right. But right. in totality. This was, in my opinion, the worst game he's had as a pro. And maybe overall, and, and I had this conversation with Allen. maybe overall even including college because the only other one that comes to mind is when he had like eight yards versus Clemson. But the talent discrepancy of those teams was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like that's not the case on an NFL Sunday.
0: That's the thing. I was about to say, without hyperbole, I wa- no. I have watched a lot of Kenny Pickett in in my day. I watched every game of him at Pitt. And I was at that game where he threw for eight yards against Clemson in the 2018 ACC Championship. And mm-hmm. I believe that that was the worst game I've ever watched Kenny play. Um, it, he was bad. And I don't think that his box score does it justice for how bad he actually was. Um, Because when you look at it, just on the surface, 31 of 46, 232 yards, a touchdown and two picks. I don't. I, I. genuinely don't think that that shows how bad no. Kenny was on Sunday, because it is also past.
1: he had a, Fred Warner dropped a third interception. He sh- and that was the easiest yeah. one that he threw. Like it was literally yeah. right into his chest.
0: Yeah, agreed. I. I. I don't think it shows how bad he was because what you can't see on the box score is what you were talking about, like with that Deontay Johnson slipping and he, he throws a pick. Like that play mm-hmm. should have never happened that read should have never been thrown to and yet it, it was and we saw that throughout the entire game like questionable decisions like i i think back to the one the one play that was an incomplete pass in the end zone where i i watched that play over and over again and i'm still not sure who who he was throwing to i mean the the steelers had the ball on a, around like the 15 yard line i think he throws it into the end zone i'm like i have no idea where this is going to there's guys in the area, but it, there's no clear like this is who he was targeting. I have no idea what it was. The decision which making, one was by that Penny was. I, I'm trying to think of what it was. It, it okay. was. It was in the. It was I was wondering the, if
1: it was the if it was the fort where they went for it on fourth down, but that was from the eight, and they ran four verts from the eight yard line, which is insane. I, don't, think I know he threw it over the middle.
0: That okay. it, that's what I could I that, that's my best memory of it. I don't know the actual situation. I can't I can't remember the situation, but I know he threw it over the middle. There were some Steelers in the area, but there was also several defenders. It was just very confusing to me as to what the decision making process was, and that's the main thing that that was so un picket Pickett like. I felt like is that normally like it, he can make mistakes and he has in the past, but you didn't see all of the mental errors that he was making. In previous games, like you did on Sunday, and so that's where the hyperbole is. There's no hyperbole for me. Like this is his worst game that I've ever seen him play at the college or NFL level because his his decision making, the the progressions that he was making, and that but then making decisions on top of those progressions were just bad. He, I think he was also yes. This is the play. If you're watching on YouTube, is it?
1: okay. I, I was so this is the one I'm talking about. This yeah. yeah.
0: He ran four
1: verts on. The, oh wait, what why is it not?
0: He maximizing? ran, they so ran four hard. verticals and Kenny yeah. gets the ball and immediately is throwing it over the middle. I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> is that supposed to go to Fryermooth?
1: Because what's funny is if he, if so, if he waits longer, and I know that he can't, like you're talking, Jalen Warren comes out of the backfield on this. It's like a delayed, right. like he's, he's supposed to show that he's a blocker and then come out of the backfield. Right. Yeah. He, and he could have hit him and maybe it's a touchdown because this linebacker moves off of him. But, yeah.
0: And speaking uh, of that, I feel like there were another there were like a couple more plays throughout this game where Kenny was making mistakes of either getting out of the pocket too early before he needs to. It's like he felt phantom pressure when he didn't have to move or he, mm-hmm. he was throwing the ball before and getting rid of the ball too quickly whenever he could have held it on to it for a couple more seconds and another guy could have been open. I feel like when you, you saw like the all 22 footage, there were several times throughout this game where that happened. And so there is without a doubt, no doubt in my mind, this is the worst game that Kenny has ever played. And like you said, the people who are blaming Matt Canada over Kenny Pickett, I I feel like that's being a Kenny Pickett apologist right now. And believe me, I am a huge Kenny supporter, but this Mm -hmm. is not on Matt Canada. Sure. He, he has his share of the blame just like everybody does, but this is nothing different than what we've seen in Matt Canada the past games. Like there there's no difference to it. And we've seen this offense be able to be executed. We saw it at the end of last season with Kenny Pickett. And I see, like looking at the pass charts from Kenny on Sunday, there's no difference. It's just they didn't execute anything. And starting with Kenny Pickett, he was the worst one on the field and that is the main thing that needs to change for the Steelers going into next week because if this is the Kenny that you're going to get and and what's what what is the main difference like what from what we saw in the preseason to week 1 against San Francisco like is it playing the 49ers defense like i, I just can't come up with anything that makes you that mentally switch that mental switch of the hesitancy or the decision making like that is just night and day from what we saw in the three games that we saw him in the preseason to what we saw on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I, that that's the thing that's so weird to me and so confusing. It's like, I mean, my, the follow-up question here that I want to say is, do you have hope that th- he's going to be able to play better on Monday night and turn it around? It's just, how do you have a yes or no answer to that when you don't even know what went wrong in this game? Like, you don't know what the reason was that that happened because it's just so uncharacteristic of him. Like, if he were to have played bad because he's trying to fit the ball into tight windows or whatever, and they're trying to take shots down the field or... Uh, the offensive line is totally getting caved in and he's taking a bunch of sacks or something like that, then, then it's a different conversation. But if he's kept relatively clean, and even when he has good pockets, he's just flat out missing guys by, like not even, when we say Kenny's accurate, it's not even necessarily like fitting the ball into tight windows and sticking it right on guys' hands, but he's able to put it on a receiver. He's missing guys by like three yards. I mean, there's a play to Deontay Johnson. There should have been a touchdown. The, it's an easy six, yeah. It's it's a layup for any NFL quarterback, really, or any it should be NFL quarterback. Totally misses behind him. him, yeah. Totally misses him. There's another one um, to Deontay trying to rip the ball up the seam, misses him by a good five yards like high too I I Mm -hmm. just so it's just I don't know I I don't know if you even have an answer on this because I certainly don't I don't know what to think about like I would like to think that there's no way he could be as bad as he was this week but is there reason to think that he's going to improve to the level of what he looked like in the preseason like what version of Kenny Pickett do you think we're going to get on Monday night and keep in mind too we're about to talk about the fact that he's not going to have Deontay Johnson
0: yeah that's true that's a good point um the one thing I will say about Kenny is he he's he's taking his lumps in stride and whenever he makes like I, I think about the early parts of the last season when Kenny was coming in like that Eagles game the Miami game um, the th- throughout that season we saw the mistakes that Kenny was making and Kenny took those very seriously and he put in the work to improve upon those and so. Yeah, it's a shock that Kenny regressed this much in Game One, from what we saw not only just in the, this preseason, but what we saw him end the season with last season. But mm-hmm. I, that is what's going to give me some some belief, some hopeium, I guess, if you want to call it that, that he'll improve on Monday night against the Browns. Is that like Kenny is somebody who is going to look at this, see what went wrong, and really study what to improve upon. And because we, we've we seen that in the past. I mean, we saw it in college. We saw it just his rookie season last year that he wants to improve upon his mistakes and he's going to grind to be able to do so. So that to me would be the, the one thing that sticks out, not even necessarily just anything like trait wise that I think could be different, just his mentality that he's going to have after this game. I feel like he's going to be the hardest working guy in practice this week because he's going to look at the the film and i know if i know kenny pickett which i don't but if i know kenny pickett he's gonna say like i sucked and i need to improve upon this
1: yeah i mean i i would i have a hard time believing he's not himself thinking he's the biggest reason they lost his football game um i know that the defense gave up 30 points but again they were in pretty bad position the the entire time how much
0: listen i i was describing this to somebody and i'm like I can see multiple individuals where I can be like, you had a terrible game defensively. But when it comes to the unit as a whole, how much blame can I really put on them when they were on the field the majority of the time? Like individual players, I can put blame on for bad plays and and, and, and bad drives or whatever. But like the entire series as a whole, or the entire defense as a whole, it's hard for me to place a ton of blame on them giving up what they did. Um because they were on the field like nonstop. The Steelers had several like the first three drives of the Steelers were three and outs. It might even be the first four drives. And so yeah. how, how much blame are you going to put on your defense whenever your offense is only on the field for a minute and a half?
1: That like always seems to be the case. Like the defense plays terrible, but the offense was so bad. It's like hard to evaluate how bad they actually were. I do think the defense was also really bad, though, in this game. Like outside oh, of TJ. what? Yeah. Outside of TJ Watt and like a little bit of Keanu Benton, I I don't really even know what to take away from this game positively for the defense. I thought uh, like Minka, I, I mean, he was asked to play a lot of slot corner in this game, didn't really notice him. And like he's a guy that like typically for defensive backs, you say that's like a good thing. That's mainly a corner thing i guess though but like mink is normally noticeable in some fashion this is probably his most unnoticeable game as a stealer i know uh alex highsmith had a couple tackles for loss and he was also going against trent williams so like it's almost like a mulligan for him but yeah. i would say outside of tj i i really don't know again you know limited snaps for keanu benton i thought he was pretty good in his role What's takeaway? take away levi wallace and patrick peterson were both awful keanu neal demonte kz they were both awful the linebackers I thought- were bad
0: I thought a Landon Roberts looked good early on, like in the first quarter, but he then had a couple of run stops. Yeah. From then on out. He had a couple it, of run stops, but
1: out. he also got put in some spots where like, okay, there was a sequence third and one McCaffrey tries to jump, jump over the pile and get stopped. And then immediately the 49ers get that mismatch where Purdy rolls out and has Kittle uh, matched up with a Landon Roberts and hits him to get the one yard and picks up an additional nine. So I, I think that they, they did a nice job of diagnosing and, and looking for mismatches there, but yeah, I don't outside of TJ. I thought the defense was, was bad too. Well, listen, the um, defense
0: didn't do any of my keys to the game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. We'll, and
1: we'll you're try off? maybe, uh, maybe you'll be able to get us back on track offensively and me defensively. Maybe that's the way it's going to go. Maybe but...
0: because I mean, my defensive keys were first off, you had to limit the chunk plays. That didn't happen. Uh, second, yeah. I thought you had to um, – I don't even know what my second one – I know one of them was limiting Christian McCaffrey as much – Christian McCaffrey as much as you can. Not that you were going to do so entirely, but just – He had like the, the
1: second most yards they've ever given up in a season opener. So that didn't happen.
0: Yeah, so that didn't <laughs> happen. Oh, and my, my my third one was getting to the quarterback, creating pressure on Brock mm-hmm. Purdy to make him uncomfortable and help out the back end of your defense. um i mean they got pressure on him but didn't matter
1: (laughs) yeah i mean obviously tj having three sacks they got home a couple times on him i didn't feel like there was any consistency with the pressure though and i also with how quick he gets the ball out i think it's relatively tough to get pressure on him to begin with i think that you have to like first and foremost if you're going to get pressure on him it's going to be because you stop that run game first and he's having to drop back a little bit get into some different drops as opposed to just being able to snap and rip it um, and get the ball to guys quick in space. But yeah. And then offensively, the things that I said were Darnell Washington, 12 personnel. I do think he was one of the brighter spots on the team. Like him, tj anthony mcfarlane in the return game and then calvin austin getting his feet wet and not looking like totally out of place were the only positive things that i took away from this one so darnell washington did did look good as a blocker there's a clip of him that's gone around of him putting nick bose in the dirt anytime you can do that as a rookie against the reigning defensive player of the year and highest paid non-quarterback that's pretty good um the pick your poison with deontay and george pickens obviously didn't work i i I mean, that's, again, more of a product of the quarterback. I, I cannot believe that that wasn't something that they were able to attack in this game, though. I mean, San Fran's corner room, again, outside of Trevarius Ward, who did have an interception in this game, it's not a good group. Like, I, again, I know that the pass rush, that front seven is going to be able to make up for it a little bit. But, man, I more so than they did, they should have been able to attack the, the, those matchups. Um, Honestly, I'll the, say part of that is probably –
0: part of that was probably Kenny making the cornerbacks look better than they actually were because of the decisions that he was making. I mean, definitely, that is that's, I would, I would blame that more on not taking advantage of those matchups more on just the decision-making of Kenny more than anything. Um, Yeah.
1: I don't know how, I don't know how those guys graded out per pro pro football focus or anything like that. I don't feel like those guys were like deflecting a bunch of passes. Like, I don't think they were contesting a ton. Like, I just don't even feel like the, the football was getting close to the receiver.
0: You don't to need to place. deflect a pass that isn't going to touch anybody.
1: Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, One of those guys, Deontay Johnson, though, injured in this game, hamstring injury is going to keep him out multiple weeks, which the timeline is interesting because multiple weeks, Tomlin's only rolled him out for this upcoming week. But we got Cleveland, the Las Vegas Raiders, Houston Texans, the Ravens. And then you have the bye. If he doesn't say it is a few and not a couple weeks, like say Mm -hmm. let's go based off the words used here and say it is a few, which would mean three games, then would you bring him back even for that Ravens game? Or because they have the bye the following week. Like how do you think the Steelers handle him? And then the second part of this, uh, there's a lot of people within Steelers nation that don't appreciate Deontay Johnson I I they don't have a solution within their offense. It's gonna be Calvin Austin that sees the jump in playing time. He doesn't replicate that skill set at all. I, I just I think people are really going to miss what Deontay Johnson brings to the field, even when he's not the one getting the ball, which is his ability to create for other guys.
0: Yeah. And I, I feel like they're going to miss that crisp route running. They're going to miss somebody that can get open with ease. Um, and as far as his health goes, if he if we're getting into that Ravens game and he's not 100% healthy, then I would just hold him out again. Um and this is all very situational. We have no idea what the next yeah, like, games are going to look like. Could look it depend on where the team's
1: at? Like say like, they if, lose to Cleveland if the, Steelers but they win are, the next
0: two. Yeah, it that that could change things. Um but I I tend to say that if he's not 100% healthy, I wouldn't I wouldn't mess with it. I don't want him to reaggravate it is is the, the main thing I would look at. I think that the, the the more, the bigger time off would be pretty valuable for healing up the hamstring because hamstrings, are, that's just something that's so finicky. Like one play, you could reaggravate it and you're out another like four weeks. So I personally would probably hold him out unless he's like 100% cleared. Like he's not going to reaggravate this injury, which you can't guarantee, but like you can, you can, you can play it 100% and feel that.
1: Yeah. I just, I think he's so integral to what they want to do. like, if he can go, he's going to have to go. And maybe I would feel differently if, you know, they do rattle off wins here against Cleveland, Vegas, and Houston, and they're three and one before the Ravens. And then that bye week I just feel like, and and they're not going like, if he can go, if he's a hundred percent, then he's going to go. But I don't think he will, unless he is like, I don't even think it's a question like, if he plays, it's because he is 100%. I don't think that they would mess with it otherwise. So if we see him out there whenever that is, I'm assuming it's because he's back completely full health, been cleared, and they don't feel like – there's a chance, obviously, that he could re-aggravate all – especially with hamstrings. Like I remember – this is me talking, trying to put myself into the, the the shoes now of a professional athlete. I pulled my hamstring playing softball, okay? Not on a football field like Deontay Johnson playing softball. I ended up like, re-pulling it. Two times within the next two months, like once you pull that hamstring once, it can just it it keeps going. Yeah. So I I, yeah they really got to be careful with this. It's so tricky. These soft tissue things are so annoying. Um, But he's definitely going to be missed within that offense. And I have no clue what the offensive game plan is going to be here versus Cleveland, who just shut down the Cincinnati Bengals in a much, in my opinion, better receiving core. I think the potential is certainly there with Pittsburgh, but as of right now, I mean, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, who had a goose egg, zero receptions on eight targets for T Higgins, Tyler Boyd. I mean, that's to me as good of a group as there is in the NFL in Cleveland with Martin Emerson, with Denzel Ward and with Greg Newsome held those guys in check. So very tall task for the Pittsburgh Steelers receivers. And again, Kenny Pickett to get back on track in this one because you're talking about the Steelers who probably couldn't be lower right now in Cleveland who's riding an absolute high
0: yeah and I'll say that you know you mentioned Calvin Austin his his snaps are going to be elevated from this and he'll benefit uh, um, from this injury I think Mm -hmm. that Pat Frymuth may also benefit from this, just getting the targets. But I feel like George Pickens and Al Robinson are going to hurt from it because there's not going to be that threat of Deontay Johnson on the field. So those two can get focused on more.
1: George is going to see the double teams, I think. I think he's going to see Denzel Ward and then a safety over top. Um, so I, I would anticipate that happening. He's going to have to be able to win those matchups sometimes, though, in order to to create for other guys. Um, so we're really about to find you know, the people that think that he is the number one, even when Deontay Johnson's out there, his time's now to, to go and prove it. Um, but yeah, the, the Pat Fryme thing is interesting too because I feel like it's the same conversation that we had last year when we traded Chase Claypool, where it's like who's gonna be the big beneficiary here. I do agree, like I already thought we were going to see a good amount of Darnell Washington in a game with you know these elite edge rushers like Miles Garrett Zedarius Smith that they have on the other side in Cleveland. But now, especially without Deontay Johnson, I think that's the case because I think Allen Robinson is going to shift to the outside receiver. You're going to see Calvin Austin play some slot, but I think Pat Frymouth is going to be like the actual slot receiver, uh, number one say, option.
0: You might you might see some situations where they just say screw it and put him in the slot. <laughs> He's not leaving from the line. He's actually just standing out there, and yeah. and maybe that's a situation where where you have uh, another tight end coming to block like like Washington. So I think that'll be interesting to see how the receiving room handles this because i mean this is this is a true test because like you and i both know and I, a lot of steeler fans both know but a lot of Steelers fans don't agree that like deontay johnson is still wide receiver one in pittsburgh um so they they lost their wide receiver one in our opinion um so it's mm-hmm. that's that's unfortunate it's going to be an even tougher task for the offense moving forward
1: They also lost their defensive captain, one of their two defensive captains. But, you know, the most tenured guy, Cam Hayward here, Uh, eight weeks potentially having groin surgery. This I mean, for a team that was already they got gashed in the run game again. I mean, this is going on a few years now where this team has had trouble stopping the run. And now you lose Cam Hayward as well. Not to mention what he offers as a pass rusher. This guy's gotten better. He's been better in his 30s than he was in his late 20s. Um, so I, we, we, it goes without saying that his absence is going to be noticeable. Um, I feel like with the defensive line depth, they've built up, they're probably better equipped to handle this loss this year to cam than they were last year to TJ. You know, when you're talking about losing one of those two guys, they have each of the last two years after the opener, which is just so frustrating and annoying. Um, the plan to me and I don't know that this is what the Steelers are going to do. I don't necessarily think it will because I don't know that they want to throw a rookie into the fire. Would be to play Keanu Benton at three tech in Cam's spot, have him be the starter, give Fahoko a helmet and let him kind of be able to eat those double teams in the middle to, to have your linebackers play a little bit more clean. Because the linebackers, like I said, with lack of a better word, they sucked. They were awful on Sunday. <laughs> and I think a big part of that is similarly to last year, obviously there's the communication aspect of things, but also like they weren't take, like they can't take on these pulling guards or guys that are climbing to the second level. Like Fahoko can hopefully keep these guys clean and against Nick Chubb, just let them focus on him and coming downhill. So that to me would be the plan. But what I think it's going to be is like a lot of the Marvin Liao, a lot of, I think Armin Watts maybe gets the helmet too um you know maybe Isaiah Loudermilk but I would be trial by fire with Keanu Benton giving him a ton of snaps
0: I mean you drafted him in the second round for a reason right I I I feel like you you should play him um I think he has the pedigree for it I I agree with you I would play Keanu Benton and whether they want to bring up and and give Fahoku a hat and and put him at zero I, I think that Keanu Benton should get the first looks at playing that three technique, just taking over for Cam Hayward's spot. Um, I, I think that he, it would be a good test for a rookie. And, you know, some of these guys, they're going to play well by getting more playing time. So I, I feel like when you get those snaps and you get that in-game experience, that can be very valuable to these young players. And with someone as talented as we think Keanu Benton is, I think he could excel in this role um w- with more snaps and so I I agree with you that that's that's what I would do as far as a plan but I also agree with you where I think it's going to be more like a committee of multiple guys going in on the defensive line um not not necessarily just Keanu Benton but you're going to see multiple guys filling in to to make up for that role um kind of similar to what we've seen other positions do in the past when someone like like the, of that level has gone out um it's it's just unfortunate and it's so unlucky and I, I i get it like the steelers aren't the only team to to suffer injuries like totally not i mean look at what happened to the jets just last night but i mean back to back years you're losing someone like the two best players in back to back years have a serious injury on your defensive front i mean that that's just unfortunate for the steelers defense um as a whole last year was tj this year it's cam i mean We were talking about how valuable uh, Cam was last week and how big of a game we thought he was going to have against the 49ers. But even at his age, he's still one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL. He's one of the best defensive players on the Steelers. And he's just so valuable, not only just on the field, but in that locker room. So that's something that's going to be missed. Um, not just for on-field performance, but you're missing a leader in the locker room now. And, and obviously he's going to be on the field still, I, I would anticipate, but it's just not going to be quite the same that it would be when he's dressed in, in pads.
1: So I wanted to pull this up real quick. If you're watching on YouTube, I have it on the screen. We we mentioned like zero tech and three tech, and some people might be like, what are they talking about here? That's just where we're talking about defensive linemen lining up. So as you can see, zero tech plays right over the, the center. And then as you start to go out towards the uh, tackles, and then Y is an in, inline tight end in this scenario. So uh, zero tech out to seven. Seven is obviously like where, where TJ would be playing. Um piano benton i think the reason the steelers liked him so much he to play from zero probably all the way out to five to be quite honest with yeah. you for sure out to four um but i don't know that we're going to see him play out past three this year um yeah it is interesting just because we've seen cam cam actually not that great playing in a zero tech or even one tech like he's obviously as best as a three tech if tianu able to do it they might actually have even more of a versatile player there than what cam offers them obviously not to the quality that he plays at three tech um but yeah i want to pull this graphic up just to show you guys exactly what we're talking about when we say zero tech and three tech and stuff like that so um I would assume we see Fahoko as that zero tech, as you guys can see on the screen. Um, That's pretty much exclusively what he is. He's not going to give you anything against the pass either. Like he's not going to give you any pass rush juice. He's going to swallow
0: everything up inside. That's what he's built to do.
1: And then you'll see Benton, you know, somewhere between that two eye and three, I would assume. So I hope he sees an increase in snaps for sure. Um, I think he's going to have to, I just, I don't know what exactly the plan is there. And again, when you talk about Cam Hayward for the defense, Deontay Johnson for the offense, I actually don't know which one is more important to be quite honest with you. And I say that because I, I trust more what Omar Khan built up with the defensive line depth than I do. What else is in that receiver room right now? Um, At least from like the different flavors that you have, like, again, you don't have anything close to Deontay Johnson's skill set within that receiver room without him. I just I think it's a toss up. And I also think you're talking about a top two or three player from each side as well that's going to be missing for at least the next few weeks.
0: Absolutely. Um I think I will lean Deontay Johnson and maybe that is just a bias from what I saw from the offense in week one. I think that the Steelers are more equipped to deal with a Cam Hayward injury than they are a Deontay Johnson injury. And I say that because it's kind of like what you were saying, like the Steelers in-house do not have somebody that is going to replicate what Deontay Johnson does. And I don't think that there's anybody better to help out a quarterback that struggled in week one than someone who can get open so easily for you in week two, but you're not going to have that. Like nobody on the Steelers as of right now, can get open like Deontay could. And that makes easy passes and builds more confidence for your quarterback. Kenny's going to be missing that. And now a lot of it could be more contested catches and and be more difficult on the quarterback. That's why I would lean Deontay. But either way, I mean, like you said, you're missing a top two to three player on either side of the ball. It's it's a crappy situation to be in just after one game of this season.
1: And they came into the season relatively healthy. I mean – outside of Corey Trice Jr. being out for the year and then Larry Ogunjobi dealing with the foot thing, like right up, at, we didn't even know if he was going to play on Sunday. They were healthy coming into the season. And then in one game, you lose Deontay Johnson and Pam and Hayward for multiple weeks. And then who knows, Chuke suffered a concussion late. Pat Friar, dealing with the chest. James Daniels and Miles Boykin wearing boots. Like what the heck, man? One, Not only did they lose on the scoreboard, they just got legitimately beat up in this game, like bullied start to finish. By the 49ers so again the question becomes can they get back on track in week two against the Browns I'll be quite honest with you this just has one of those feelings of a game where they have no business winning but Mike Tomlin will somehow find a way let's let's talk about some stats here before we give our predictions because I just saw my guy Dale Lawley. Uh, put this out there. The Steelers have won 20 straight games on Monday night at home. Their last loss on Monday night football at home came on October 14th, 1991 against the New York Giants. Um, there is that. There's also the fact that somebody just sent this to me recently to Mike Tomlin at home, or I'm sorry, Mike Tomlin as the head coach of the Steelers following a loss of at least 20 points is 10 and two that 833 winning percentage is the highest in the nfl over that span
0: and another crazy stat maybe not as positive as as those two are but another Mm -hmm. crazy stat is this is the first time since 1989 that the steelers are an underdog at home versus cleveland browns
1: and they were an underdog in week one too so they start out back to back home dogs um I'll start. I think I had you start last time, so I'll start We won't do. We're going to have our three keys still. We'll put those out uh, Friday and Saturday uh, this week, so look forward to those. My prediction for this game, I just said it. It just feels like the Steelers are going to somehow find a way, even though if you look at it on paper, there's no reason they should win this one. Um, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I do think that the Steelers show some signs offensively. They're not going to be as bad, I don't think, as what we saw on Sunday. I'm not ready to hit the panic button completely in terms of Kenny Pickett himself. I do think that there are some worries when you talk about the injuries are what I'm more worried about than anything. Like The result of that game was whatever to me but it's really the way that Kenny looked and the injuries that came out of it that are more worrisome. So hopefully Kenny Mm -hmm. can answer some of those questions on Monday night. And the injuries, unfortunately, there's really nothing you can do. You got to just try to mitigate those losses. Um, I'm going to say the Steelers win this one. It's going to be a weird score, too. I'm going to say 22 to 17 Steelers.
0: Okay. That is a weird score. Um, 22. I'll say the Steelers win as well. Um and I, I will I will say this too. I I was thinking about this and I was also, talking about this with my people buddy. People
1: might say I'm a homer. I picked San Fran week 1. So let's put that to bed.
0: I'm the one that picked the Steelers week 1 and I also picked them to go like 12 and 5. I'm not <laughs> feeling good after uh after week 1. However, I um I I'm going to pick the Steelers to win in week week 2 and part of the reason is because the last couple seasons we've heard <laughs> Preseason, how bad the Steelers were going to be. And then they happened to beat the Bengals and they happened to beat the Bills in back to back seasons on the first game of the season. Teams they had no business beating. And then this offseason and this preseason, we heard how good the Steelers are and they actually absolutely get their teeth kicked in. So I'm thinking it's going to be a little opposite of the beginnings of the seasons like we've had from the past couple seasons. So they got the teeth kicked in. They're going to come back with a win that they shouldn't win at home. I'm going to say that the Steelers win this one 17 to 13. I agree with you. It is going to be a low scoring game. I feel like it's going to be a defensive dogfight, fight. Um, and the Steelers are going to find a way to win this one.
1: If they can hold Cleveland to 13 points without TM Hayward, I'm excited about the conversation we're going to have about this defense next week. So uh, yeah, that would be great. Um, but, I do think they got, they have to, I mean, there has to be some resolve here from that. Maybe they needed kicked in the teeth. Like to your point, they probably had more hype coming in from the outside than they have the last
0: man. They heard, they heard nothing but how good they are for multiple weeks after this preseason, including a two week break from the end of the preseason to the start of the regular season. They heard nothing about how good the Steelers are going to be. And then they absolutely got rocked. I think that could be a good thing moving forward for the Steelers. Again, that might be a shot in the arm of hopium for my part, but I, I think that it's not necessarily always a bad thing from a mentality standpoint to lose a game. Yeah.
1: And let's, you know, obviously the way that they lost was embarrassing, but that's a really good 49ers team. And that's as good of a team as they have on their entire schedule. I mean, there may so. be a
0: healthy Brock Purdy away from going to the Super Bowl last year. So, yeah. You never know.
1: Yep. All right. Well, uh, unless you have anything else that does it for the Steelers show, look forward to seeing what the people think. So comment down below what your predictions are for Sunday. Let us know where you're at on the panic meter. Um, right now, I would say I'm probably at about a four or five. And that again, that's mainly due to the two injuries that they suffered that are going to be multiple weeks as opposed to just the performance on Sunday. Like to me, that loss is whatever it's really about how Kenny looked and it's really about those two injuries. So I'd say I'm probably about a four or five out of 10 on the panic meter. You guys let us know where you're at down below. Let us know how you feel about the game on, I said Sunday, a Monday night against the Mm -hmm. Browns um, as well as anything else that we talked about. What else did we talk about? Um, There was really anything else besides. Oh, who who do you you guys think? So wide receiver wise, who do you think sees the bulk of, targets in the absence of Deontay Johnson and how would the Steelers look to in some former fashion try to replace the loss of Cam Hayward for eight weeks up to eight weeks man it's gonna be tough all right well uh that does it for the steelers show uh again check out the description we have rocking around the 412 year six going on we raised $25,000 the first five years of doing so every year we run this christmas mission to give back to kids in the 724 and 412 area codes tyler and i never had to worry about where christmas was coming from growing up so that was kind of the meat and potatoes of why we wanted to start Christmas mission to begin with, and last year it became a little bit more meaningful. Us, um, we lost our friend Dalton, and in his name, thanks to his girlfriend Kaylee and their daughter Isla, we started uh partnering with the East Rochester Angel Tree and Salvation Army, um, and their angel tree to give as many kids off of that angel tree the Christmas that they deserve as well. Um, so it's been great being a part of that too. I'm so happy that Kaylee and Isla are going to be part of it moving forward. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's only September right now, but man, look how quickly it got from June to September, these three month periods, especially now the football's going on, it's going to fly by. So it'll be uh, Christmas before we know it. Hopefully at that point, we got some more answers on the Steelers team and they're in contention at that point. But also if you guys donate to the cause, you'll be eligible to win some prizes. And I'm sure a lot of those will be Steelers related. So um check that out, check out everything custom designs by our friend, Haley Wagner, unless you want a hat go somewhere else. But if you want a t-shirt, Uh, Halloween's right around the corner, so a custom trick-or-treat bag for your kid. A lot of other clothing, different stuff. Go check it out. She has an Etsy shop or a Facebook page. Both of those are going to be in the description. Other than that, for Tyler, for Smitty, be sure to check out one of our other shows that is popping up on the screen somewhere right about now, and we will talk to you on the next episode. Bye-bye.